What's up, Military Millionaires? I'm your host, David Perret, and I am here with Alexander the Great. Alex, how are you doing today? What's up, man? I feel excellent. Happy to be here. Yeah, we. Uh, me too. We just got back from BPCon and hang out there, and that was great. But we are here today to talk with Mr. Tim Jackson, who is the author of Real Dope, an in-depth comparison between real estate and the dope game, which is a book that he handed me when we were hanging out in Dallas at the Better Way Conference earlier this year. And I really like the concept, right? The idea that real estate is like what he is trying to do is get in front of an audience that is like struggling youth and really help them out and help them find the way to financial freedom. And so Tim is a uh, he's a veteran author, as I just mentioned, real estate investor, former city of Dallas zoning commissioner, youth mentor, and he's got 18 years of experience, real estate investing and, and brokerage. And I just really like his story. And then recently he popped back up on my Instagram again with a new account called uh, No More OGs. And we're going to talk about that because it's a little controversial and I love it. And uh, we're going to dig in. And Tim, welcome to the show, brother. Welcome to the Military Millionaire Podcast, where we teach service members, veterans, and their families how to build wealth through personal finance, entrepreneurship, and real estate investing. I'm your host, David Perret, and together with my co-host, Alex Felice, we're here to be your no BS guides along the most important mission you'll ever embark on, your finances. Vehicle one, you're clear to depart friendly lines. Roger. Vic One, Oscar Mike. Hey guys, if you're looking to take your investing, business, life, or just yourself to the next level, then I have something for you. The War Room Real Estate Military Mastermind Group is a mastermind group that meets weekly in small groups of five to six people to help you hold yourself accountable and really experience that growth. But we also have a monthly guest speaker that we bring in, and we've had guest speakers that talk about mindfulness, taxes, we're bringing in somebody to talk about marketing. We bring in very specific topics that will adhere to very broad, any any kind of real estate investing or investing or entrepreneurship that you want to do, and we'll really help you out. We let you ask these speakers questions and get very personal with them. And then back to the small groups, weekly accountability for what you're trying to achieve and just being surrounded by like-minded people. And they say your network is your net worth. I know that's an overused phrase, but I recommend that you check it out. So just shoot an email to wrmastermind at gmail.com. Once again, that's wrmastermind at gmail.com. And we'll send you some more information. I appreciate you ha uh, for having me. Uh, it's really, uh, really fun to sit down and have these conversations, especially with veterans who who understand that, you know, we were never supposed to have any money as enlisted members of the military. So, you know, just go to work and die. Uh, but uh, love to be in front of a diverse audience and talk to everyone. So let's 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 dive in. Absolutely. Uh, why don't you give a give a little bit of your backstory? Sure, absolutely. So my name is Tim Jackson. Uh, my tagline is Mr. Purpose on Demand, Mr. Retired at 37. I Born and raised in Dallas, Texas, uh, spent a little time in the military, came back home, started a business. I've always been interested in real estate. So I got into real estate from the sales standpoint, but you know, quickly realized that the sales agents don't really make as much money as the investors make. Um, so you know, after having my license for a few years, I, I obtained a broker's license so I could at least keep all of my commission. But you know, the, the definition of a broker is essentially that you're broker than everyone else because you're paying for everything else. So um Bought my first real estate property, uh, just me buying a house for myself and realized how I could leverage that to not only buy more properties, but literally, you know, one house changed my life. 
And so started to teach people about that, moved my business back to the community where I grew up in, which is in East Dallas, um, hired people that I went to school with and, you know, just just start volunteering in the schools, wrote a book about real estate, specifically comparing real estate to drug sales uh, to show people that you can you can sell dope, you can sell a house. It's just moving a brick. You know what I'm saying? You're just moving a package. Right. And so made that correlation. Um, spoke a lot of places, uh, became a zoning commissioner in Dallas. And here I am, you know, trolling people on the Internet every day about culture. <laughs> I love this. Uh, ever since I was a kid, when um, I did my little petty weed sales business that I had, uh, I felt I don't really consider myself hyper entrepreneurial, but I, I realized from a very early age that uh, one, sales is sales. And two, uh, the idea that you're going to go off and sort of ignore the standard system of nine to five, you know, industrialized labor, that process, um, whether you're selling drugs, houses, or, you know, starting a business, the idea that you're going to have to break away from the system and, and do your own thing is, is extremely similar. And so I love that you made that comparison because I think it's very appropriate. I, you know, and, and it was funny because when I would go back to my old neighborhood or see my old friends, they would always say, man, you're doing so well. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And I literally had the conversation with a bunch of people and I just got tired of having the conversation. So I wrote a book. And, and then I noticed that the book was actually working. You know, people were reaching out to me saying they found my book in the prison system. People were reaching out to me telling me that they found my book and stopped selling drugs. So I was like, oh, shit, I'm on to something here. Right. You know, uh, let's keep talking more about this book. Start partnering with different agencies locally. Um, you know, whether it be the courts or different, uh, you know, law enforcement departments saying, hey, you know, when you guys are out there pulling people over and searching them and, you know, taking them to jail for weed, if you see some potential in people, if you understand that you're really about your community, like give them my books. So I've given away. I can't tell you, I've given away hundreds of books just to people that I know who are on the front lines dealing with with this issue. So, uh, hey, we got to We got to solve our own problems. That's the type of person I am. So that's what I did. I love it because, I mean, like real estate and financial freedom solves a lot of problems, right? But you took it a step further, which is like let's connect with the people who – like like the idea that you're handing a book about how to get out of the drug trade and into real estate as a way to achieve financial freedom and change your life and you're finding a way to give it to people who are essentially getting – arrested for that. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, you're, you're literally changing people's lives, which I think is yeah. just really cool. Right. Cause it's like, okay, financial freedom is great, but you know, a thousand people reaching financial freedom is one thing, but if you can get a thousand people to just get from like the, the negative to like balance, right? Like that's a huge step that a lot of people, it's not as sexy to talk about, but it's huge. No, I agree. You know, and, and no matter what I'm working on, I always want to alleviate um, the statement I didn't know, right? Because I'm a, you know, I was when I was in corporate. When I came back from the military and got into the corporate industry, I was a trainer. I was a corporate trainer, so traveling around the world, uh, I actually launched the very first Android phone, you know, in the United States. So, uh, you know, wrote, wrote a bunch of curriculum for that. Traveled around to different places and trained different companies, uh, cellular companies, on the phones. But the goal was to eliminate I didn't know, so that the customer, if you will, could could get the best. Uh, have the best result, right? When experiencing the product. So for me, it's like, well, shit, that works in everything. If I can have a conversation with a kid who all they've seen is, you know, 
for lack of better words, you know, a bunch of hood shit. And it's like, well, man, this guy looks just like me and he's from my same neighborhood. But, you know, he, he's, you know, he made it out, which we can talk about that later because I feel like, you know, that shouldn't even be the premise. But, hey, here's the example of what it looks like. And when you provide the example of what it looks like and you just scale that up, then, you know, success or being able to obtain success becomes normal. And it's not associated with, you know, playing a sport or, you know, singing a song or doing a dance. It's actually rooted in business that you can actually scale and teach your family. So that's that's what I'm all about. Yeah, it's such a mindset shift, um, but it sort of always is like, you know, the saying that I've the saying I've been I've had for the whole year is, um, you know, the game of life is self versus self. And it's very much like you have these people who. You know, they're in, if you're in a world where everything you know, like y- like you said, you have to kind of get out. You have to get out of that world and you're like, oh, I can give you a piece of that. But the reality is, as I said before, it's like sales is sales. Whether you're, whether you're selling something that's illegal, which, you know, has a very low ceiling for success for basically everybody. Uh, or houses, which has a very high ceiling for success. But I bet you, you probably know people that sell drugs that are better at sales and people who do very well in, uh, in, real, in real estate. And it really is just, um, this idea that you can go do it and excuse me, I don't mean to speak out of like out of what I don't know, but, um, you know, it seems like if you can change like what you, what you think about the world and who you're around, then, you know, the sky becomes the limit. And that, that, whether you're talking about people selling drugs or even me who's seen some reasonable success and trying to get to the next level, it's the exact same problem. It's that I have to, you know, get a bit bigger, abundant mindset. I have to hang out with this other class, you know, set of people and, and so I really, just to, to draw back, I really like this analogy with a real lot. Cool, cool. Well, listen, let's, let's talk about it some more. <laughs> it's, it's like the, uh, I had to look it up because I was about to say Nietzsche, which I knew was wrong, but Plato, it's like the old, uh, the allegory of the cave, right? Where like people are in the dark and you get one to leave and once his eyes adjust to the light and he tries to go back in and pull people out of the dark and none of them want to leave the cave because that's their comfort zone. Um, like it, it's, I literally kind of- just used that analogy like yesterday, you know, uh, and, and it's, 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 there's a slippery slope. There's, it's a catch 22 because different people have different factors placed against them. Right. We, we can, we can, we can say that. Right. But once you learn something and once you know something, you can't unlearn it. And what happens is not just from, you know, my target audience, but any anyone like most of the times when I talk to people, especially being in the military, like we were the ones who left. Like I always tell people, if you join, no one joins the military because shit is going well in their life. Like you don't wake up and say, oh, shit, all my bills are paid. I live on this ranch. I'll just go enlist in the military. Right. No, that's not how it worked. Right. It, it was rich people don't a, join the military. They don't. They don't. Uh, and if they do, it's because there's a tradition in their family and they typically go in as an officer. Is that fair to say? Which so they don't you know, want to be a politician one day. Exactly. That's the road to being a politician. Right. Uh, the people that I'm talking about, are the people that's from, you know, every military person's hurt is the people that's from bumfuck Egypt or the people that are from, uh, you know, uh, just the hood of the hood. Because think about even recruiting. Like if you look at just the demographics of recruiters, like they don't go to the affluent areas and recruit. They come to, to whatever hood USA, right? So we're the ones in our family that actually left the environment to make ourselves better per se, but we're also the ones who feel like no one really understands us because we understand the sacrifice that we had to, you know, make. 
And that goes across the board. When I tell people, when you have that entrepreneurial spirit, when you know that there's something inside of you, that purpose, you got to get out of your environment and get around people who, one, you would normally never get around, right? Uh, but two, you have to have an open mind. And people think I'm crazy because I, you know, from a political standpoint, I always tell people, I, I hate to use the word independent, but I, I vote and lobby based on what's going to benefit me, right? I don't subscribe to anything um, that's not going to benefit me, right? And people say, well, how could you be like that? Well, shit, how could you not be like that? Like, it's all about, you know, bettering yourself. But when, when I have these conversations with people who won't come outside and look into the light, if you will, or who don't understand like how our brains think, I'm crazy. But then you get into a room with a bunch of crazy people and we're normal. That makes any sense. So my, my goal is to put a bunch of people into a, a room with a bunch of people that they would never fucking get into the room with <laughs> and figure out, oh, shit, there's a different way to do it. Let's do it. And that's why in our, in our mentoring program, we stretch traveling. Like you guys, Alex, were you also in the military as well? Uh, yeah, bro. Uh, traveled quite a bit in the military. And, and I'm glad you said that because it, you know, it unlocked my brain to a way of the world that I, I would have never gotten otherwise. And, and think about that. Like when you travel, the first thing as a kid or even as a young adult, you say, man, they dress different here. They speak different here. Right. What's cool in my city isn't cool here. But if it works with fashion, it also works with making money. Right. Like I live in Dallas, Fort Worth. The real estate market is always good in Dallas, Fort Worth. It, it's never a bad market. I don't care if the market is going to shit in California or it's going to shit in, you know, somewhere on the East Coast. It's always good here. Right. So when I'm talking to people about real estate here, if they're from Detroit, you know, or if they're from Las Vegas or California, they may not understand. I tell people, hey, you need to get out of your area and go see something from a different perspective. In contrast, if I go to an area that's super depressed, I can see the value because you can't find a hundred thousand dollar house anywhere. Right. Like meet someone in that area, find out, you know, go to these meetups, get online, find the good property managers, purchase real estate there and sit back and collect your check. But you can't tell the people who are around you who aren't into that or who don't think like that, hey, we should do this because they're going to always find the problem and the solution, right? So I, I said all that to say, you know, typically I like to get around people who think differently. Um, and I like to travel because I always learn something new based on going somewhere different and experiencing something different. And we take our boys to different places and expose them to different things so they can get out of that you know, that neighborhood mindset of thinking that this is the only way it is. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Traveling, uh, sort of on that vein, traveling anywhere else in the world, you quickly, I mean, depending on where you go, but almost anywhere else you go, you're going to quickly realize that in America, you live a lavish lifestyle, even if you're not doing that good. And so for me, uh, half of that is gratitude. I'm like, okay, wow. I just kind of lucked into this. I didn't, I didn't, as uh, as Obama famously said, I didn't build this. I just showed up, right? It's it's already done for me, um, and I and I'm grateful to take you know advantage of that. But also, I like what you said about you know if you if you only know your market, then you you know it's hard when you're you see it every day. You're like, well, prices are up now. It's harder. And it's like your prices are low compared to somebody else. That's why you know we see it in these smaller markets. Um, the California buyers they come and they scoop everything up, and you're like, well, that's not a good deal. And you're like, yeah, but it is compared to what I can buy where I am. And so the the Travel lets you see the arbitrage and the opportunity where you uh, where you are and and you know how kind of good you have it in many ways. I mean, I love that you live in Dallas because that's a booming metropolis. And if you can make it work there, then you know where David lives in really the middle of nowhere that nobody should ever live or go. Um, 
if you can't make it there, right? It, Consequently, like I recruited grand here. Probably goes and- a long way out there. Where if you live in Dallas or LA, it's like, dude, you're not you're not even getting a down payment now. So it just I love that travel opens up your eyes to things you have no idea about. Absolutely, and the funny thing about it is, five years ago, a hundred grand could get you three houses here in Dallas. You know, I can I can remember a time um, before I became a zoning commissioner when I was really studying our market when we had our land bank and we had a lot of things going on. I was begging people to buy these properties for twenty five thousand dollars, twenty thousand dollars, fifteen thousand dollars, and the number one thing they would say to me, Alex. Uh, and David is, well, I don't want to live over there. And I'm like, I didn't, I didn't tell you to move over there. I told you to buy the property. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm not telling you to abandon, you know, your neighborhood, but you know, and, and I, and I've said some controversial stuff and I've said it on platforms where everyone on the platform looks like me. And I, and I'll sit on platforms where I'm the only person who looks like me. Right. I'll, I, I have this, 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 uh, very unique perception of gentrification since I've been a zoning commissioner um, because I, I used to set up these meetings every two weeks. Like, Hey guys, we have rezoning. We have rezoning, like come to the meetings, come to the meetings. I'm the person that's going to be voting on if this gets approved, like come to the meetings and no one would show up. And then when, when a big development would come a year later, because it takes six months to a year for this stuff to happen. And there's other factors that go into it. I'm not going to discount it. And I've spoken on the record, but it's like, well, guys, we, we, we're giving away our properties because we're not showing up to the meetings. We're not pushing back on the taxes. We're not pushing back. And then once the property is acquired or it's redeveloped, then we say, man, that's gentrification. I took a lot of heat. I took a lot of heat from black people from saying that. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, I, but I'm also the guy who's been inviting people like, you know, black, white, brown, whatever you want to you know, call yourself to these meetings to show like, hey, all you got to do is show up and push back a little bit. That's it. You don't have to sell off the property. Put a put a will and a trust in place so that if grandma or granddad dies, you can keep that property. That's not just a that, that's an everyone issue. Right. Because this happens in every community. Right. But if I say something out loud and say, hey, this is wrong, then it's like, well, I get accused of, you know, whatever I'm being accused of. And it's like, no, 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 no. Education is going to be what's going to take you to the next level. And we have access to information. I don't know how old you guys are, but when the Internet came out. There was this thing called uh, an AOL CD that it gave you 15 minutes worth of internet and, and you couldn't talk on the house phone if you were on the internet. Like, that's how fucking old I am. I'm old as shit, right? Like, if we wanted to... I'm reason- older than you. I will never forget that sound of dial-up. And then, no, you know, the, you'd be the like on the phone way. and you'd hear it and you're screaming down yeah. the house, I'm on the phone with my girlfriend, wait! <laughs> We're we're on the Juno mail. Like I'm old as shit. And I tell people this and they laugh. It's like when I researched what a real estate broker was, I had to go to the library to research what a real estate broker was, right? I'm that old. And when I tell my son and his friends or even kids that are just graduating because we still, you know, mentor in schools, they're like, I can't imagine having to go to the library to use the internet for longer than 15 minutes. So now that we have the access to the information, we have to start you know, using that information for our benefit because we can use that information for everything else. Let's use it for our benefit. But, you know, some people get it, some people don't. And, and I'm learning that you just got to leave, start leaving people behind and grasping on the people who get it, if that makes any sense. Tim, as much as I am known to say controversial things without fear, I am not going to comment. Uh, me and, I'm not going to comment on the, uh, the appropriateness of gentrification to the black community. Uh, but I will say, um, 
it's going to be controversial. And then I'll get yelled at for bringing it up because I can defend it yeah, both yeah. ways. Right. But but go ahead. No, no. But I, I will say, like, just my personal experience, I'll speak on uh, when I got my uh, you know, I pulled my head out of my ass at 31. I was a career fuck up for a long, long time in my life. And I turned it around by doing a lot of things that we're talking about. You know, I wasn't selling drugs. Um, I was already out of the military. I was just, you know, a dumb alcoholic with bad habits and, and a, I had good, you know, human being friends, but not, they had, they were had no ambition. And I was just, I was just getting ready to dwindle the drain here at any day. And I, I started turning my life around. And then as I started buying real estate, just like you said, I'm like, Hey, look, it's 2014. There's properties in the market for $30,000 and, and we can go buy some of these and they're going to go up in value. And so we can either capitalize on this or we can miss out. And I really, I started doing this and I didn't do as in retrospect, I was too scared. I didn't do as much as I should, but I did a good chunk, um, more, more than most. And I started to get my, I tried to get my friends to come along, um, of various backgrounds. Hey, this is an opportunity to turn your life around. I'm going to do it, right? I'm going to do this. And I could not drag people along, many of them. Some I could, right? Some, you know, like, like you, I didn't write a book, but I wrote, I blogged, you know, we do this show. And we try to get these people to make good decisions. And it's really interesting how difficult it is. And then now those same people, it's like, it's like, it's a, it's a total mind fuck. They're like, Oh, you're, you did so good with that real estate. You got so lucky. I can't, Oh, you did so good with that. Look, you're killing it. This now I'm like, I begged you to come do this. And now you're sitting here 10 years later, struggling about money, struggling about these stresses, debt. What are you going to do? And you're still telling me the same thing. I'll get into it one day. Oh, I wish I could do it like you. And I'm like, dude, I have no idea what. I just don't know how people think they, the circumstances in their, their life must not have been right. I must not have said it to them right. I feel actually sometimes tremendous guilt about like, I couldn't get some of my really, really good friends who now have financial difficulties. I'm like, dude, you, you could have had it. You could have solved this. You could have solved this for good. And it's just, it's fr- very frustrating. So, so what you're, what you're, what you just proved to me is something that I say often, um, is that some of the problems that we think that we have that are exclusive tend to be, inclusive to everyone, right? The people closest to you, they're just not going to fuck with you when it's time to make progress because they don't see you as a professional. They see me as Timmy. They see as Davey, you know, little Alex. They put that nickname on there, right? And they don't take us seriously until we start winning. And then once we start winning, it's, oh, well, you got lucky. And I always joke with my mother. You know, my mother's my biggest fan. You know, she's probably sold more of my books than anyone. But I'll never forget when my mother called me one day and she's like, wow, I just saw you on the news. <laughs> like, that's what validated me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that, that's, that's what made me official, right? Like, you've been watching me work my ass off for, for the last decade. You watched me spend hundreds of thousands of my, of my own money to create opportunities. But seeing me on the news was the icing on the cake, right? And I tease her about this, but, you know, sometimes you, you just got to acknowledge that no one's people aren't going to really fuck with you if they've known you your whole life. Like you have to step out of your circle and meet perfect strangers. When I met David, we talked, I sent him an email that night. Like, Hey man, it was nice to meet you. Like, I don't give a fuck if he doesn't respond. He just doesn't respond. Right. Like I'm not gonna lose any sleep, but what if he does respond? Like, well then that gives me a, a connection to someone else that can teach or expose me and the people that are in my downline, if you will, to new information that we wouldn't have never gotten. Oftentimes you just got to open your mouth and you got to throw away some of the preconceived notions. Right. Um, and now, and now thanks to that, you met me. (laughs) So you are doing, you just leveled up, bro. You're, you're in good shape now. Wow. 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 Good Good intro. (laughs) You know what? You know what? It's funny. Uh, 
it's just, it's just one of those things where, you know, I've been on the record kind of, I've been, I've pissed off everyone. You know, I've pissed off my people. I've pissed off black people. I've, I've had a whole entire leadership team at a, at a, at a real estate company quit because of some comments that I made. I was a part of the leadership team. And the next day everyone quit because they were upset with me. Like my thing is, I'm just going to stand on what I was on logic. Right. And I think in today's society, we don't stand on logic anymore. We stand on emotion. And so, you know, if logic is the leader and, and, and principle, you know, is the foundation, then, you know, everything else just falls in line and you, you, you align yourself with people who use logic and you kind of, you know, say, well, the hell with everyone else. And that's kind of where I'm at. Right. And, and I, and I hold people accountable, like hold me accountable. If I fuck up, tell me I fucked up, but then give me an opportunity to correct it. Don't just walk around treating me like Twitter, you know, cause Twitter is the place of no accountability. It's a place where people just go to tell you you're not shit. And then they wake up the next morning and, and remind you how much you're not shit. Right. But give me an opportunity to at least correct it. Right? So. Well, the thing that th- the three of us share and the thing that I'm, I'm hearing a lot from you, um, is, you know, there's this idea, a lot of it, I hope, comes from the military for us. You know, we kind of dogged about the military, about poor, you know, rich people don't join the military, but the military changed my life um, for the better because, you know, I sort of wasn't going anywhere without them. And they really, they really, in four years, by the time I got out, I was like, you guys are slowing me down now. And I'm tre- tremendously grateful for that. But what they taught me was uh, two big things, things that, you know, I'm not going to do the um, kids today, you know, trope because that's been done since uh, you mentioned Plato. Plato, ha- Socrates had a piece about that. He's like, yeah, the kids today, they have no respect. So that, that trope has been going on for 1800 years. Uh, but I will say uh, the military taught me never to make excuses. And if you make excuses for yourself, whether it's um, a racial thing, a socioeconomic thing, parents, like whatever it is, it, valid or not valid, it's not helpful because the only person that can really help you is yourself really always. And whether it, that's fair or not, it doesn't matter. The only person who actually can actually really help you is yourself. Um, and the other one that, uh, and that and comes right down to the same thing is um, radical responsibility. And so those two ideas are really like kissing cousins. Like I'm the only one that can fix my problems and I can only do that if I don't make excuses. And so that whole piece you just said, I loved it because that's sort of what I heard. You're like, hey, I can make people in my community mad because they don't agree with that idea and they can say that it's some other reason, but the reality is whatever the reasons for the unfairness that you've been doing in this life, um, legitimate or not, doesn't matter as much as the fact that the only person who's going to fix those, that unfairness is yourself. Can I piggyback on that really quick? Please. Yeah, of course. That's I agree with what everything you're saying, right? Here's my thing. I always tell people because, you know, I've always been the person that, you know, if I see something I'm going to stand on, I'm going to fight for the principle, right? Like, I can't pretend like certain factors don't impact others as more so as it does some like as a black man, there's certain things that I'll deal with that you guys would never experience. Right. Um, my, my master's degree is in history and I studied the plight of black Americans from the great migration to where we are today. Right. And there's a lot of fucked up shit that happened. What we have to do, however, is change the response to it. Like, you know, one of my favorite books is The Success Principles. And it talks about, you know, E plus R equals O. Event plus response equals outcome. Event plus response equals outcome. If I feel like someone is doing something to disenfranchise me, I have to ask myself, well, what's the response to that? Uh, I can't just say, hey, you're fucking me over. I have to actually do something about that. And I don't care how anyone feels. The response to 99% of our problems is economic. Right. Um, if you can respond to someone economically, then you typically won't get fucked with. 
That's 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 really what it is. If someone comes and steals your content right now, you guys can get on the internet and say they're stealing our content, or you can send them a cease and desist, and then you can sue their ass, right? And then you can be really petty and draw it out as long as you want to and bankrupt them, right? Like that's that's the way that I'm learning how to do stuff, right? You have to find the the response to the event to get a different outcome. And what I see with a lot of people where I'm from um, is that our responses are never changed. Uh, I tend to follow a lot of people on social media or read books or listen to news outlets that I would never listen to people who I don't even agree with because the way that I've been doing it, it obviously isn't fucking working. So I got to hear how someone else is doing it. Right. But that's taboo. Like no matter, I mean, even, you know, no matter your color, like there's people who are Democrats who would never watch Fox news a day in their life. These are white people. You know, when I was on the commission, you know, most of the, my, my peers on the commission, you know, stone cold, straightforward Democrats. Right. Um, and when they would ask me about politics, I'm like, eh, you know, I, I kind of stand in, I kind of lean in the middle. I don't agree with that. And they would be appalled that as a black person, I didn't agree with them. Right. And it's just like, no, like I can think for myself, but they would never as white people watch Fox news. Right. So then it becomes more so on how you perceive things. Right. And, I, and like you said, you know, accountability is big. And I think that accountability across the board is, you know, the world would be a better place if everyone would just allow themselves to be held accountable, but then build on the mistake. Like, I don't have to remind you that I was right. I was right. I knew it. You were right. You knew it. Okay. We acknowledge that. Let's move the fuck on and build something. Right. Um, and that's kind of where society is stuck now. Tim, you have a level of maturity that just exceeds people and they don't realize it. I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> people fucking I mean, hate me, man. Yeah, yeah. But that's yeah, well, why. Because, because it's because they they it's very easy, not correct. It's very easy to say my problems are because of something else, and then I can absolve myself of the responsibility. It's much harder to be like, I'm I'm messing up too. It's not fair and I'm making it I'm not helping. It's that's harder. You gotta you guys I signed up for the military when I was 18 years old and I was on my first deployment when I was, no, when I was 17 years old and I was on my first deployment before my 19th birthday, right? Like overseas, you know what I'm saying? Operation Enduring Freedom. Um, where'd you go? My first, I went to I was going to say, now we're going down the rabbit hole because we both did. Yeah, 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 where'd you go? So my first duty, I went to PSAB. We set up PSAB and uh, we were part of the group that essentially set up everything for um, Operation Iraqi Freedom. So we were actually the ones, I guess this shit isn't classified anymore. We were the ones that were essentially laying the pie, the framework for everything to come in Iraq, right? Um, I was an 18-year-old kid. My friends were joining their, starting their second semester of college, going to frat parties and shit. And, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm riding gunny at the top of the damn, you know, I'm, 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 I'm on the 60, you know? You know, during a sandstorm, you know what I'm saying? Having to stay after everyone's death, working a 12-hour shift. I'm the one that's riding at the top. Now I got to clean my, my weapon for three hours because it's full of sand. Like, that was my reality, right? So there is no excuse. Like, you all, you guys know you were military. Like, proper preparation prevents piss-poor performance. Piss-poor performance promotes pain. Like, you just got to fucking find the answer and get to it. And that's so taboo for a lot of people. To the point to where whenever you mention accountability, it's oh man, you're you're this, you're that, you're 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 selling out, or oh man, you're agreeing with this person. It's like, no, 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 I'm just saying, like, you know, let's let's be accountable. Let's call out the bullshit, but then at the same time, let's create a response to it so that it's not emotional, it's more more strategic. And regardless of what you're responding to, 
It doesn't matter what, if, if you if, if someone is squatting in your house, you're not hopefully you're not going to just go over there and beat their ass. Right. You know, you're not going to go back to the OU. You're going to he's like, <laughs> Dave's like, well, you know, uh, <laughs> right. You're going to reach out to him. You're going to send him some notices. You're going to you know, reach out to the municipality, let them know what's going on here in Texas. It's really easy. You just file a case and then the constables kick them out. Right. That's why I love real estate down here, because there's no no bullshit red tape. But if I if I go and I just kick their ass out of my house and I physically abuse them, then I have to follow what comes with that. I'm going to likely get sued. I'm going to go to jail. All of my assets that are not protected are going to be at risk. Like there's a process to it. And, and a lot of things that we do is because of pride. No, you got to move pride to the side and use logic. And I think if people start using logic more, a lot of the bullshit that we call culture, a lot of the bullshit that we call normal, we'll start realizing how fucked up that shit is. And then we can start, you know, reversing it. You know what I'm saying? Because if I'm if I'm deployed, I can't think about certain things while I'm deployed. I'm just trying to say, make sure that we don't we don't die today, right? Does that make sense, or am I? I, mean, I think I, I think it makes sense to you guys, but does it make sense to people who didn't really go through it? No, I love it. And I was going to say this earlier when you mentioned like the Fox News thing. You know, I one of my favorite things when people are like very vehement about a ideology is to just be like, okay, awesome. What have you read or researched that contradicts that? Like what, what's the other, like, have you looked at the other side of the coin? Right. Um, and because of confirmation bias is a real thing. Like my favorite example lately, and I just did it Google can salads make you gain weight. Oh, look, there's a bunch of articles right there on Google about how salads are bad for you. Most people would probably be able to assume that salads are, generally speaking, a somewhat healthy alternative. But you can quick search. Oh, I found some stuff to validate my feelings and how I think about this. And so I think like where you're talking about looking at things from different perspectives and and taking the accountability and actually being willing to receive that criticism and kind of change your mindset. It's not an easy thing, uh, but not. it is, oh my goodness, that it is powerful to like be able to see that. Alex pulls it out of me a lot because he calls me out on my shit all the time. It's very helpful. But you need that, right? Like I always tell people, I don't want a yes, man. I, I typically do so much better in business when I have someone around me who we don't fundamentally agree on anything but business. Like I, I don't want a person who's going to be uh, an echo chamber for me. Because then I can't grow, right? I want somebody that's going to say, ah, that's bullshit. Well, you didn't experience that, Tim. So who, who, who the fuck are you to speak on that? I, oh, okay, you're right. You know, I didn't experience it. I don't, I don't know what that experience is, right? Like, I, I don't know. It's kind of like, you know, and I, and I, I don't want to, you know, make this too, I don't, I don't want to, you know, muddy up the waters with your audience, but it's kind of like the black experience. Like, you know, the black experience is not one experience, right? There, there, you know, there's people who have, I always tease the kids that I mentor and I say, if you have dental insurance, you're, you're not from the hood. Like, you're not a gangster. You know what I'm saying? Like, your parents can take you to the dentist. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to go down to, like, Baylor Medical Dental School of Dentistry on a Saturday and stand in line for three hours so that you can get your tooth pulled. Like, you go pay the copay. You're, you're not gangster, right? On the flip side of that, you know, there's people who've never experienced the black experience. That's where the whole no more OGs things come from. And I'll talk to anyone about this. Like, that's not my life. Like I, I grew up in the hood. I saw some crazy shit. I also had really good men around me who were like, uh, you're going to do something different. My family all went to the military. They understood getting out of your environment. My grandfather left Louisiana in the 50s, 60s, in the 50s. That's my dog. She's pissed. And he literally convinced his, out of his nine brothers, he convinced 
five of them to move with him to California and, and literally set up shop in California. Like, like work ethic is a big thing for us. Like getting out of your environment was always what I saw. Right. So if that's always what I saw, then that's what I'm going to preach. But people who don't see that, they're going to say that I'm, well, you're different. Well, everyone can go to the military. Well, you know what? Everybody can't sell drugs either. Cause you know what I'm saying? Everybody can't sell drugs. Right. Is that a true statement or not? Like, right. So <laughs> everybody can't be a thug. Everybody can't be a street dude. Everybody can't be gangster. Like I've seen people try their hand in the streets and it just didn't work out for them at all. You know, I have a kid right now who was in our mentoring program who's on his fourth year of a 12 year sentence. He's got to do at least six years. He had a full ride scholarship to one of the best track schools in the nation. And he came home one summer and he's like, man, I'm broke. I need to make some money. And instead of getting a job, he went out with another friend who was in the streets and they, I can't even say allegedly it's public record. Now they were robbing, you know, these, these jewelry stores and they got caught and the DA offered them 20 years for a first time offense. Like, and he's a kid with both parents at home that lives in a very affluent community who'd never been in trouble. Like, that's not your life. Your life is to go to school and run track and get an education and get a degree and come back and build up your community. Your life isn't to be this gangster. So it's just like the streets doesn't work for everyone. (laughs) And, And that can be the same thing for you guys. You live in a small town, David. David, people don't want to hear that shit about real estate investing in that small. They don't give a fuck. And if you do it, oh, well, you're different. You went to the military, so you have discipline. Okay, they're going to always find a reason to invalidate your willingness and your ability to be accountable to, to your situation. And you got to leave people like that the fuck behind and focus on the people that actually want it. And they're easier to spot when you make that commitment in your own life. Yeah, they're projecting because David, David ain't shit. <laughs> Um, you know what's funny is uh, speaking of sort of like um, you had mentioned a few times about like your your community and how it brainwashes you into what's normal Uh, I'm very grateful for the military community uh, this military to millionaire community because sometimes it's actually very rare that I run into you know always civilians most of the people I hang out with have our prior service and I run into people that are like civilians always and it's it does come out I'm like wow you you really don't have the same level of like hardcore commitment. No, that's not the right, right word. Hardcore responsibility that I do. And I don't mean to pump myself up as much as I'm like, I just notice it sometimes. And I'm, it's, it, it comes out every once in a while. I'm like, wow, you guys just don't know the excuses, the excuses and the lack of responsibility and the, and the, and like you said, the projecting of like, oh, well, that's not my life because some unfairness or whatever. And, uh, it's surprising, but I, I'm grateful that I, I've, you know, found this community and I, I sort of am drawn to other military people. Everybody in the military has real thick skin too. That's another thing. You know, you're sitting out, you're like, Hey, I'm just speaking truth. And I'm like, dude, truth. They can't take, people can't take truth. They don't people, like that. People in the military don't give a fuck about your feelings they, because it's like, we just don't give a fuck. Like, I mean, like, if that's just the easiest way to put it, right? Like all of my friends, half of my friends are military. The friends that I talk to every day, all the time, they're all military. Hey, we, we don't give a fuck. It's like, okay, well, how do I complete the mission? Like I tell my wife and my kid at all times, you guys, we got to complete this mission. Like I need to see some urgency. You know what I'm saying? Like shit, you know, and it's like, we're just getting out of the car, going to the grocery store, man. Why? <laughs> you know? Yeah, but we got to do it good. We can't be there's That's not a, yeah, yeah. I feel you. The urgency, that's part of it. Definitely. But there's, there's a, 
there's the, the level of like, you know, feelings first. I just don't get it. I don't get it. I don't want to get it. I look at people who do that. And I'm like, you're not, you're not beat. I'm beating you. So my ways, my way was better. And, um, I, I and, grew up on the fuck your feelings, you know, like that's, that's exactly yeah. how I feel. Like I, I'm going to, I'm going to humanize you and I'm going to do you, I'm going to, I'm going to have integrity. But if your unwillingness to, uh, make a move is based on your feeling. And I'll say this. I always say trust your gut, not your heart, because the heart attacks and the guts filter through shit. And a lot of people are like, damn, I never thought of it that way. Like, literally, the heart will attack you and your guts pump shit out. Right. So go with your gut. Like when people well, I want to think about it, you know, and I'll, I'll probably get text messages or emails. But let me pray about it. It's like, oh, here we go. You know, trust your heart, not your gut. That's that's a way for you to back away because you're scared. If you're scared, just say you're scared. Like, I'd rather you, I would respect you more. If you said you were scared because you can come up with money to do everything else. But when it's time to invest in yourself and create an opportunity for your family for the rest of their life, you want to, you want to, you know, I don't know, man. Well, you, okay. All right, cool. But go, you're going to go spend $250 on a fucking bottle of champagne that you can get down at the specs for 50 bucks or 30 bucks. All right. <laughs> and that's everyone. Everyone does that. I fung out with where I'm the only black person and everybody does that. Right. You know what I'm saying? So you got to make your choices, man. Like, I, I just don't have time for people that get caught up in their feelings every time it's time to make a move. Yeah. Uh, I think we should name this episode, Fuck Your Feelings. I love that. <laughs> I, uh, it's a, one of my favorite quotes. My, uh, my girlfriend, who is a deep, deep feeler, not a fan. Not a big fan of this. <laughs> not a big fan. <laughs> your girlfriend so, and my wife got to balance you out. Yeah. yeah. My wife, I, uh, so, but I, I, I love that there's communities out there now of, um, you know, like I said, Dave and I have this veteran community. It sounds like you have a, a good chunk of uh, veterans hanging around. Um, and you know, I'm, I, it is very hard to instill military sort of principles onto people without them being into it. But it is, I, for everybody who listens to the show, that's not in the military. I know we have some of those people, you know, if you could surround yourself around military people, like we'd love to have you. We're not sitting there. It's not an exclusive group. It's more like, you know, I, I have this saying, I, I tell David, I, I've said on this podcast many times, if you go to a conference, a meetup, an event, anything, and there's some military folk there, they will naturally find them each other. And it's not because we're walking around going like, oh, I was prior service. Dude, I got out in 2005. I'm not walking around saying it at every breath. It's not like a big part of my life anymore. It's just one of those things that they just, you know, they instilled certain things into me that, that stick around. And when you just naturally talk about who you are, and the people that gravitate towards you and the people that you repel, right? Like a magnet game, the people that you end up with at the end of the night are uh, the military folks. So if you're, if you're not prior service and you're just a civilian, and you're listening to the show, go to these events and like, you know, stick around these people. We're, we're a welcoming group, but you gotta, like you said, you gotta have thick skin. You can't make excuses. You gotta take self responsibility for yourself. And um, your feelings come dead fucking last. <laughs> this guy, if you're, as Alex said, just a civilian, we care about you. It's so so compelling. Unless you're, unless, as long as you're airborne, I, if you're a like, I just love that you're like, you know, you're not all service members. If you're just a civilian, then you know, blah blah blah. We still like you, blah blah. blah. I'm like, uh. yeah, the funny thing is, amongst the military career feels like we shit on each other based on the branch you went to. Like, I think oh, yeah. you know, it, it's just it's just a part of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, and it's funny you said what you said. Like when I go into a room. I always find the military guys or, or girls like it's just like 
there's a, it's something about the way we're standing. It's something about the way we're paying attention. It's just it's just something about us, you know. Like you can always and then to the point where sometimes I can tell you what branch you were in. You know what I'm saying? You know, if the food is really shitty and you like it, you are definitely a Marine, you know? Uh, <laughs> if you're complaining about the food, you were probably in the Air Force or the Navy, you know? Like, you know, I mean, you know what I'm saying? If if you're, like, rushing everything, you're probably in the Army, you know, because they hurry up and wait. It's like, fuck, man, when is this going to start? You're an Army guy, aren't you? How the fuck did you know? I can just tell, man. You guys sat around waiting on everything, right? I mean, and then it just, like, you draw to each other, but the, the end goal is how do we complete the mission? Like, how do we get from where we are to where we want to be, per se, right? And how do we solve that problem that is going to, you know, have a lasting impact on our families and on our communities and the people that we care about? And uh, get, get around some military people, man. The, you'll, you'll, you won't find a lot of excuse makers. Except for me. I'm a piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> Oh, Alex looks like that's he has why David, that's why David keeps me around. You know, you mentioned earlier about like, I, I'm a deeply contrarian person. I think uh, everybody in their life should have a contrarian friend. It's I don't we're around. I don't know how to it's not like the military. I don't know how to find him. But there's somebody like me around that will always no matter what you say, I will pick it apart. Like that's bullshit. You're lying. Let me check. Let me double check. I'll provide you a different perspective. And so it's it's good to have those people around. Um <laughs> Uh, except for David, I can't help him. He's unsal- he's unsalvageable. It's true. It's true. Uh, Tim, is there anything that we missed? I feel like we've we've covered the gauntlet. What are what are we not at, or what have uh, we not touched on? I mean, we so so the book. I know you talked about the book, real dope, um, an in depth comparison between real estate and the dope game. First things first. Anyone who's watching this, I don't make a single dime off of this book. Uh, 100% of the money goes to my nonprofit organization, which is a registered 501c3. It's called Real Youth Mentoring. Um, and essentially, the book says it's about exactly what it sounds like. Like, I literally walk through uh, an internship, if you will, uh, comparing selling drugs to selling houses. Nothing more, nothing less. I mean, you know, you think about, you know, selling drugs, you got everyone from the corner boy to the kingpin, Right. You know, between those two, there's going to be five to eight people eating off of that one brick. You know, it's no different than a real estate investor. When you purchase a property, man, you're going to you're going to need a roofer. You're going to need a plumber. You're going to need someone that does landscaping. You're going to need someone that's going to stage. You're going to need someone who's going to come in and do painting, sheetrock. There's so many people that's going to eat off of that one flip. And at the end of the day, you're employing a lot of people who are going to depend on you. So that's essentially what the book is about. It's on Amazon. Like I said, I don't make a penny off of that book ever. I've always used that book to fund our nonprofit where we teach boys about entrepreneurship, leadership. Uh, We travel with the boys. We get them out of their environment. We took our boys on a trip prior to the pandemic um, to Memphis, Tennessee, Atlanta, Georgia, and Birmingham. Um, And these are kids. Many of the kids never had been out of the city of Dallas. You know, there's a lot of people who never leave their city unless they're going to their neighborhood. I'm sorry, unless they're going to court or to prison. And so, um, you know, we took them and we gave them a luxury experience, Mercedes Benz Sprinter vans. We stayed in a huge mansion in Memphis. Uh, we stayed in like high rise hotel in Atlanta. They had panoramic views. And until this day, out of those 15 kids, 10 of them were still honorable students. Um, we give out a scholarship to our graduating seniors. All of our seniors graduate with a 700 plus uh, credit score in the business plan. Like that's what this book is about. That's my tie to the world. Um, so, you know, Get the book. Uh, David liked it. You know, I, I call it the uh, the seatbelt light book because if you read it on the plane, you'll have it done before the seatbelt light goes off. Like it's a really quick, fun read, uh, you know, telling you about, you know, 
some stories are true. Some stories may have been fabricated to protect the identities of the people who participated, but it's just a fun book, you know? But that's that's something we, we didn't talk about. The book can, is... Can I get a signed copy? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll get you a yeah. signed copy. The book that's is solid. The, what I really like about it is your mission, right? And the fact that you're putting the hand down to pull people up. That's Absolutely. Those are the kinds of people I want to be around. Absolutely. And, and eliminating excuses. Uh, you know, me and my wife were talking because it's election season. And, you know, where we live in Dallas, you know, it's closer to the city. So, you know, you're only seeing a certain set of signs for certain people. And she's like, do you think this person's going to win? I'm like, fuck no, they're not going to win. She's like, why are you saying that? I said, we're in the city. We're, we're of course, we're going to see all their signs. You know, the moment you get out of Dallas County, you'll never see their signs. She said, I never thought of it that way. And she said, you know what? In contrast to that, I grew up in an area where, you know, uh, I only saw certain things every day. So I thought that was the world. And we had a deep conversation that stemmed from a political sign. Right. My job and my goal in life is to get you out of your environment, even if it's just for an hour so that you can see how other people do shit. And if you like it, you apply it to your life. If you don't, you forget about it forever. And so that, that's what this is about. And then the No More OGs platform, unless you, if you want to go in on that, we can talk about that, too. <laughs> we, got, we got a couple minutes left. Let's let's give us the, the quick summary. So the summary about no more OGs and OG, you know, if you have never heard that term because you live, you're one of David's neighbors, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> it, it's essentially, uh, <laughs> you know, the term is an original gangster. It's a term that's derived from gang culture. Right. Um, and it's evolved into, you know, older people who give younger people advice. And, and what I am attempting to debunk, you know, to be like Alex in the sense of being a contrarian is that we don't have any more OGs left. There's not any older, wiser men in their, you know, mid thirties to early late fifties that are actually teaching kids good advice and things that are going to actually improve their lives and improve their community. So I pretty much troll every thing that I feel like is a bunch of bullshit. And I actually attach names to it. I pissed off a lot of blue check people. Um, by asking them to show their record and what they're actually doing in the communities that they represent as their hood um, to actually better it. I have a, a slogan that says, if you can't, if you don't own real estate in your neighborhood, you got to stop claiming. Like, that's not your hood. You're, you're a tenant, right? And as soon as gentrification takes place, you're going to be moved out. So that's essentially what it is. Uh, I'm actually creating a, a, an academy that's going to teach people life lessons that they never were taught how to budget. Just simple shit like that. How to purchase your first properties zero percent down. Um, you know how to find programs within your neighborhood or within your municipality that helps with purchasing homes. Um, how to find other people who are mentors. You know who can be mentors to you, and how to identify if somebody's bullshitting you. You know, like why it's important to own your community even if you don't live there. You know, just little practical things like when I go to schools and talking about the importance of a credit score. Your credit score. It will discriminate you from more than anything now. And as a person that worked, like I said, I was a corporate trainer. I was a, a manager in banking. I did a lot of hiring. There was more people who didn't get hired because of their credit score than they didn't for their background, their criminal background. Like we would hire at, at one bank that I worked at at a bank. They hired felons at this bank, but they wouldn't hire a person fresh out of college with a 580 credit score. Because the felon had a better credit score, so they were proven to be more, they could manage the bank's assets better than a person who just got out of college. But people don't understand that, like, credit is the number one discriminator right now. 
You can't do shit with bad credit anymore. They check your fucking credit to cut your lights on. But no one talks about that. So I give away literally a free credit course. I think credit repair is a scam. That's controversial. But the credit repair people hate me, right? You're like, no. Why do I have to teach you, you know, how to get rid of shit on your credit when I can teach you how to use credit the right way to build wealth and not be reckless, right? So I literally give out a free credit course and people inbox me every day. Fuck. Like my score went from 550 to 750 in a month simply by paying down my credit cards and opening up a specific account. Like no one's ever fucking taught me this shit. Okay. There you go. Now give it away to someone. Teach them. So that, that's what I'm all about. That's what the whole no more OGs premise is about. It's teaching people life lessons that they otherwise never would have learned from some old goofy from their neighborhood. That's what I call an OG, an old goofy who sits around and tells you about all the women he fucked and, you know, all the crimes he committed, but never really teaches you about what he's bringing to the community. And that's not just for black communities. That's for old white communities. That's for old Hispanic communities. That any community where you got that old guy who doesn't have what, what we call here in Texas, a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of, but he's trying to tell you those Al Bundy four touchdowns in one game poke high fucking stories, but he doesn't have anything to show for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, your day is over. There's no more of you. We don't need you anymore. The ex is that way. And I pissed a lot of people off, but that page grew a thousand people within two days because people are fucking tired of that concept. There you go. I love it. <laughs> yeah, dude. This is good. I mean, you know, our culture definitely needs wisdom. Um, not just, you know, your shit, people's shitty advice. So I love that. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, credit repair companies are garbage. They're bullshit. It's a scam. You're right. I don't know why it doesn't get said more. You're right. It's, it's fixing your credit is a, it's the same thing we've been talking about. It's a system of responsibility. You look at it, you have to know the rules of the game, which are not obvious. But once you know the rules of the game, you play the rules of the game, it works. You don't need to fucking, you don't need to pay somebody else to do their, and don't just, do don't just take our word for it. No yeah. major payment processor will allow credit repair processing. No major credit repair pro no no major payment processor will allow. It. You have to go through a high interest payment processor where they're going to charge you fucking two hundred dollars a month and take ten percent of your earnings because it's a fucking scam. But if I say it out loud, oh come on, Tim, you're hating. Well, I'm hating. It's bullshit. You know, it's it's a scam. Yeah, you get my blood pressure up. It's a fucking scam. You're right. It's high interest debt to fix bad financial res uh, responsibility, which is not going to, you can't, it doesn't work. You have to fucking learn the rules of the game. You got to. And once you learn those rules, it will literally change your life. Like we teach a concept, like I haven't paid interest on credit cards. I haven't paid interest in at least seven years because my credit is so good. The only time I ever use it is to do, um, you know, the balance transfers, if you will. And we've literally pulled 30, 40 grand off of a credit card bought a piece of property, fixed it up, and then rented it out. And through my snowball method, you know, of having this much money that's coming every single month, paid that shit off in six, seven months. And now I have a debt that's free and clear that's yielding me 100% on rent. But I couldn't do that with fucked up credit, right? I mean, like, we've literally bought houses with credit cards. How the fuck did you do that? I didn't go through credit repair. I actually learned how to fucking use it. And then once you get to the private client status at these big banks, the, the interest rates on those loans are ridiculous. They give you million, $2 million worth of lines of credit for 2% interest. Dave, you're, you're in that, that cool group that I'm trying to get in, you know, that you told me about. You kind of whispered in my ear about that little club you're in. That they got about, Like, you know what I'm talking about, though. Those guys don't pay interest on loans. 
they don't want David. He didn't say, did he say that part? They're trying to, they don't like him. <laughs> Alex is just mad. He's not in it yet. He didn't get in it. <laughs> yeah, His application was, no. <laughs> so, okay. So Tim, what's, what is the best way for people to get a hold of you? If we've got youth Absolutely. listening to this and they're like, I want to reach out to that dude. That sounds awesome. What's the best way to reach out to you? The easiest way to reach out to me is go to my website, www.timjacksonnow.com. Okay. You can find everything that I have on going, going on there. If you follow me on Instagram, it's at Tim Jackson. Now I just deactivated my Twitter because I hate Twitter. Um, my YouTube, if you type in Tim Jackson now or Tim Jackson Dallas, you'll, you'll see content there. Uh, and then the same thing with no more OGs at no more OGs. Uh, be ready to laugh. Be ready to get challenged. Everything that you thought was the truth, I'm going to show you that it was a lie. Uh, it's not inclusive to any group. I want to hear feedback from everyone because if we live in a if we live in a world where we think that our opinion is the only one that matters, then we're going to live in a fucked up world. Like you have to, you can't, you got to do business and you got to deal with everyone in the world. That's a fact, right? So I invite everyone to come over. You know. Um, if it don't apply, you know, let it fly. If you just want to argue, I'm not going to fucking argue with you. I, I'm not there to argue. I'm there to build. So if, if I'll tell you quickly, if you don't like what I'm doing, just I'm not the one for you. But that's where you find me. I say, I say that's where you find me. <laughs> Go get my free credit course at Tim Jackson now. It'll change your life and fire your credit repair company. Fuck them. <laughs> I love it. Fuck them. Fuck them. <laughs> Tim, thank you so much for joining us, man. This has been fun. It's been a pleasure too, and I want to thank you for having me on. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from militarytomillionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show, give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.